Welcome back to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Thursday afternoon. Thanks for tuning in uh, with us once again today. We love talking about a wide range of topics here, from self-development to social issues and, of course, education. And this afternoon, we're talking about what motivates children. Are children driven by rewards? by success or even fear and we'd like to talk about this uh, and I'm really delighted to be joined once again by Min Tran, the head of di- uh, the head of admissions at Bloom KKCA Academy, a new future orientated bilingual school of innovation in Czech Kip May. Many thanks for joining us once again, Min. It's great to speak to you today. How are you doing? I'm doing well, energized by our lunch talk here and uh, really thrilled to be back with you. I'm so pleased you can join us because previously I had watched you do um, a, a talk on this topic and I feel so inspired uh, to, 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 to do this on the program and I'm hoping it can shed some light and for our listeners who are interested, they can go directly uh, to your page to watch the full uh, hour uh, talk that you've given on this. So perhaps uh, let's refer back to the talk that you gave recently. What were some of the common concerns uh, from parents or educators when it comes to how to motivate a child? Yeah, and let me share with you how I got into this topic in the first place. This was the actual subject of my uh, doctoral study. Because for me, you know, when we're thinking about children and what, what happens inside the classroom, we often think about the academics. But at the end of the day, if they are not motivated, no matter what we do as parents or as teachers, there's no way to get them actually interested in the topic and get them to do the hard work to master the topic or the skill. So that's why I think motivation is so important. And it's a richly studied field with more than 50 years of research. So, and actually much longer than that uh, as well, but recently a lot more research. And for parents, I think there there are really three questions that that they are asking themselves. One is, you know, uh, how do I do this, right? How do I get my kid to do what I want them to do? Whether it's to get them to brush their teeth or stop crying or do their homework, right? And secondly is how do I motivate them for things that are not so fun? Let's say practicing Chinese characters, which for many of us is not a fun activity. And the third question that many parents ask is, how do I sustain the interest and motivation in one activity over years? So was there a sort of conclusion? Was it like a one bill fits all or does it sort of vary from children to children, parent to parent? (laughs) Well, I I think um, there, there is some guidance from the research on this topic that we can really look to, right? One is cultivating the true interests. So helping your children to find what is it that moves them? What is it that they're curious about? But for younger children, you have to expose them to quite a lot for them to figure out what actually they are interested in. Uh, For older children, often they already have some interests that we can cultivate, right, as parents. And then being very positive and encouraging is so important because we call it sort of your praise bank account, right? And every time you praise your child- Like an investment. Right, it's an investment. You're depositing into that account. And every time you have to redirect them or you have to be negative with them, you're withdrawing from that bank. And you want to keep that bank account super rich. Um, because children flourish when they feel loved, when they feel nurtured, when they feel encouraged, then they will themselves 
be motivated to carry on, right, with whatever it is that they're working on. Uh, but if they don't feel encouraged, often, you know, it's not it's not going to work. That's such a that's such a valid and excellent point, Min. And it's true, you know, we invest in our bank accounts, so we should be investing in some sort of emotional emotional investment account for for, for our children, especially. So maybe and I would say even more important than your you know savings account for their college. <laughs> Absolutely. Um. So perhaps let's back up a little bit and talk about what motivation is and what does it sort of look like to children because you know they're 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 not as mature as adults. They're not mini adults. We can't. Look look at things from our perspective, from our very rational brain. Um, so what does motivation look like to children? Well, that's actually a very tough question because, you know, it's very tough to ask children, what does this look like to you, <laughs> yes. right? So the research on children is really tough. Uh, we can't really get inside the little brains. Um, but let me answer the question of what is motivation because that I think is really fascinating because often there there are very technical definitions of motivation but it comes down to three things your interest in the topic or the, the activity your desire like how much you actually first is your interest and then second is how much do you actually want to do something with it right you may be interested in something but have no desire to work on it right um, and then third is how, whether you actually take any effort, make any effort and take any action. So you may be interested in it. You may want to do something with it, but you may remain on your couch. Then you're not motivated. So it has to be all those three things. We have to be able to see you doing something with that motivate, that, that interest or desire. Otherwise, is you know, you may have the interest, you may have the desire, but it's not true motivation. Yeah. Um I'm not sure if this is cultural. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's across the board. But I, I sort of remember, you know, my family sort of saying, well, uh, using fear <laughs> as a way to motivate. Um, and it's often, you, you, um, it's, it often works, you know, if, if you don't do this, then this will happen. And then you suddenly think, oh, gosh, I really should be, I should really study hard for the exam. Otherwise, I'll fail. I won't get into a good school and I won't have a good job. So sometimes that, that works. I mean, have you heard of fear being used as a, as a motivating factor as strange as that sounds of course, of course i think this is a this cuts across all cultures <laughs> uh parents are using you know their power so we call this power assertion this is one way that parents can motivate, oh, there's a name right? for it power assertion there's a name for it there's a technical name for it it's called power assertion it's of course going to work in the short term but it's not necessarily going to cultivate that genuine motivate motivation that we want right many parents want their kids to have some sort of intrinsic motivation to learn um, or to do something you're not going to cultivate that with power assertion you're only going to get them to do what you want them to do in that moment yeah. right then you're only cultivating compliance Compl so think about that as parents like you know, is that what you ultimately want them to be a compliant person or do you want them to be a truly motivated person? Of course, power assertion is important at times, but I, I, I think as much as possible, we want to use it uh, in a more limited way. Only in a very important moment would you use power assertion. Rather, on the flip side, we want value induction. So, And what know, is value induction? 
mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the opposite of you know power assertion. Value induction in a Chinese household often sounds like, you know, you wanna do well in school, get a good job, and then you can have a good life, right? So that is like value induction, and some many many children are motivated by that in a Chinese context, right? Many children actually internalize that messaging from the parent. So you know that may that's what traditionally it sounds like, but you can induct. Various values, right? It could be creativity. It could be critical thinking. It could be、um, teamwork. It could be whatever value、um, or the value of of hard work itself, right? So you can induct whatever values you want and use role models、uh, to do that. Point to older cousins or older siblings, or point to、um, role models in society、um, to to do that kind of value induction.、Uh, and of course, that logical reasoning, right? It, it has to make sense in the brain of these children.、Um, but that is the more powerful way to get your children to beyond just compliance. Yeah, that's a really good point, and it's true. Oftentimes, we use fear as, as a way to motivate children, but actually, that'll only just get them to comply. But the end game is really、that's、to、right. get them to self-motivate, and that's a really important、that's、quality.、Right. Not only children should have, but as adults, we, <laughs> we 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 should have that too. So that comes to the big question: How do we get them to really motivate themselves? Yeah. So we we say that if you want them to be motivated. Themselves, what you want to do is cultivate a sense of a very strong sense of、uh, ideal self. So this is another technical term, but in the research we talk about、uh, the ideal self. The ideal self is your vision of who you want to be in the future, and you're motivated by the gap between who you are now and who you want to become one day. Right? If you want to become a star athlete, or if you want to, you know, get into Harvard or Yale, or if you want to,、um, you know, I don't know, like be a, a star gymnast, whatever is that that is your north star, that your ideal self, that is what's gonna drives you to work hard to get there. So as parents, we can think about what is the ideal self that we want to cultivate in our children.、Um, how do we get them to come to that sense of ideal self themselves? So not just us putting in what we think their ideal self should be, but actually getting helping them find what is it that is their ideal self. That's、wow. a little bit harder to do. I know there are le- le- levels, but if they have a strong sense of ideal self, then. You know, then they'll be driven to work hard to get there. Yeah, and and that's really important because you want to motivate them to that level. Is it sort of linear? I mean, is, does it come in steps? Do you have to sort of get do, get them to do it step by step? You can't just go from zero to one eighty. <laughs> well, that would <laughs> be right, ideal. Yeah, so you break it down, right? You break it down. Let's say you want to be a star athlete. You know, first you have to do well in the in the little league that you're in. Right, in order to get to wherever you want to be, so you could point to a star athlete who actually did very well in the little league、mm-hmm. as an example of oh, if you want to get there, if you want to be John Doe, John Doe did really well in the little league, and that allowed him to do really well in high school, which allowed him to then do really well in college. So you kind of use a role model to show them the steps、um, that will get them to where they want to be one day. 
Yeah, that's and that's really quite a, a a great way to do it because you know, for example, if if star athletes is something that you want them to become, bring them to sporting events, uh, model these sort of behavior, do sports with them, exercise with them, and this way it becomes their sort of regular part of their daily lives. It it, it kind of reminds right. me of parents who want their children to read uh, rather than just throwing them a book and say, hey, read this book. It's best to <laughs> model behavior. If you're reading in front of your children, if they see you read, then chances are they're more likely to pick up a book and, and perhaps read for pleasure. Because we all know that Hong Kong children are sort of reading all the time. They're reading books and textbooks, but perhaps they don't really read for pleasure. So if you want them to do that, you've got to do it as adults and caretakers. Uh, Absolutely. In fact, I did a whole slide on you know how how to build a sense of uh, of, of reading uh, or build a culture of reading at home, um, because as you said, many parents will say to the to the child or the children, "Okay, you have to read for twenty minutes, and while you're reading, I may be on my phone or I may be Scrolling. watching TV." Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not very motivating for the kid. So you want to be reading. You want to set a routine to read together. Right, so that everybody is reading, but then not only that, but maybe sometimes you're reading together, and then uh, other times you should be reading independently because you want to build um, your child's independence as well as a reader. Um, but sometimes read together so that it's really fun for the whole family to be reading the same book, right? And even if you're reading different books, have a little discussion after you read. Uh, to share, like, wow, that's so cool what I just read, and you're modeling your own excitement and your own motivation for reading. Yeah, Min. What about this notion that um, some parents want to motivate their children because of their own sort of high achieving mentality, and <laughs> they see their children as a sort of extension of themselves? And and we hear that from time to time. You know, um, p- parents don't just want their children to get into universities; they want them to get into prestigious Ivy League universities, and that's the real big pressure for children that well children for for young adults not only do they have the pressure to go to university but to get to a really good university um and sometimes they they're responding to to their parents desires uh, rather than their own actual um motivation again how can that be addressed and we're talking about older children th- 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 this time yeah now we're talking about teenagers and let me just tell you we at you know bloom academy we work um with all sorts of students, and of course, there are definitely those who are so motivated to get into the very, very best schools, right? And then there are also many who don't really know yet where they want to be, and we're working with them on finding where they want to be. Um, for parents, our advice is always: you can't have the children that you want necessarily. You have the children that you have. <laughs> very you have good. To- yes. You know, you have to respect and honor who they are, and they may not want what you want. Yeah. And you have to be so careful what kind of pressure you're putting on that child. Um, I've definitely worked with parents who have really, really high expectations for the kids, and then we have to think about the, you know, the kids' well-being, mental well-being, Absolutely. right? Not just physical well-being, but that. And and their confidence. Um, I think more important than anything else, we gotta be. We have to build their confidence, um, and we have to give them all the tools that they need to be successful in the future, um, and to be independent thinkers and hard workers. Right, all those values that we want. Um, those are the important things that we should be 
working on with the children, not necessarily having a very specific end goal, because the reality of high stakes elite um, college admissions is that it is sometimes a very random process. It's very like because we work on it every day. You know, we work with students who want to get into the very very best schools every day, so we know what it takes uh, to get into the best universities, and we can tell you. Yes, it's a game, and there are ways to play this game, but also know it's random. So even if you know how to play this game, there is no guarantee. There is no guarantee at all. So we have to help our our students understand. It's good to reach for the stars, but sometimes you may not reach, you know, the stars, and and it's okay wherever you fall, right? Wherever you land, as long as you've worked hard. And the important thing is you've put in the effort. Absolutely, Min. I think that's so well put, and, and it's true. You know, I, I think you mentioned a few great points there. You know, parents are so fixated sometimes on the end goal, and that the the other side of motivation is demotivation, and you don't want to demotivate yes. your children. You know, learning should be lifelong. Um, we're living longer than ever. You know, people are living to I don't know eighty, a hundred years old. Education shouldn't just stop within your early twenties. You know, it shouldn't stop just after you finish. You know, uh, university it should continue, and just because some children don't Absolutely. peak very early yeah. on, they can continue to lead very successful and fruitful lives without that initial sort of um, uh, ability to get into an Ivy League school to begin with. And, and you know, and it can't stop. Learning can't stop. Exactly. The reason is the the world we live in is changing way too fast. The technology that you know we're we're using today did not exist two years ago. And the technologies that our students will be using ten years from now, twenty years from now, we can't even imagine. So we have to teach our kids, and that's why, as a school, you know, we say we're a future-oriented school. We teach our kids the skills that they need for twenty fifty, not twenty twenty one. And right, and and that motivation to continue to learn is so important because even as professionals today, you know, this year everybody learned to, or last year I suppose everybody learned to use Zoom. Even the oldest among us, you know, had to figure it out because we're in a new reality. So we have to get our kids to be super nimble and be able to master new technology in a very, very uh, creative and efficient way. Absolutely, I think we touched on this also in a previous interview that that we had. You know, nowadays students can just Google an answer. It wasn't like back in the day when we were at school where we had to sort of. Work things out with a calculator or whatever. So you know, it's it's about different uh, styles of 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 learning. Um, finally, I, I want to touch on this sort of element of choice and control. Um, it's no secret that children these days have very little control and choice. A lot of the times, decisions are made for them. Um, how might that sort of be um a, a not so motivating factor? You know, when you're sort of told what to do, um, how not to do things, um, it can be quite demotivating. Think about you as an adult. I always flip it around and ask the parents. You know, if you have a boss who tells you every minute what to do, how would you feel? How motivated would you be? So <laughs>、right? micromanaged. Yeah, no way. <laughs> I I would not be very motivated.、Yeah. I'm motivated when I'm given space、yeah. to flourish, to do what I know is you know、uh, what what we should be working on. So I think it's the same for the kids. Give them the direction. Give them you know the values that will guide them. Give them the skills, the knowledge that they need, but then let them be, and give them the space, the freedom to to become who they will want to become. 
Right. Um, and and uh, it's I'm, a I'm learning very... process for, for adults as well, because perhaps some adults didn't grow up with that. They were sort of told what to do, um, no. what not to do. No. And therefore, that's sort of their original programming. And then that, therefore, <laughs> that's how I'm going to do it with, with my kids. Often we become the parents that we had, right? So, and, um, <laughs> and, and you know, it may not be who you should, what the parents that you should be. Um, that's why as a school, we always do parent talks, like the talk that you heard, to help parents, you know, deal with all the things that, they, that, that they're going through. And I just want to share a story. Like, I've been really impressed because, you know, we're a new school. And um, uh, a parent recently had a discussion with uh, their eight-year-old son, about whether they want, whether he wants to go to a new school. And actually, like, you know, how many parents consult with their kids on these big decisions, right? Gosh, but, it's sort of like, so, this needs to be done and, and enroll them to a new school. You're going, you're yeah. going to this school, right? It's, it's not a conversation. Exactly. Often we say, this is not a conversation, you're doing this. Yeah. <laughs> so that's power assertion, right? <laughs> but, the, but this family had a discussion, had a whole discussion with their kid. And the kid said, you know, what I will miss most are my friends, um, but I want to go to this new school. So the kid actually said, okay, but can I still see my friends? Aww. So the condition for the kid to go to this, to go to our new school is that he's still able to see his friends and the parents agree and, you know, they're going to have play dates. So isn't that wonderful? Like That's the so kid wonderful. coming to That's our consulted. new school will be really um, motivated because he made this choice, right? Man, and another set quick. of parents actually... Uh, I was going to say very quickly, uh, actually, we're, we're running out of time, be. but can you sort of uh, okay. give our listeners, um, where can we find out more about Bloom KKCA Academy? Have you got a website or um, social media that we can follow you on? Yeah, we do. So you can go to bloom.edu.hk to learn more about our school. And we, we're also Bloom KKCA Academy on all social media. Excellent. Well, Min, thank you so much for joining us once again. And I look forward to our next conversation, hopefully very soon. Thank you very yes, much indeed for your time. That. Thank you.